Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous. Wow. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Edutaining the masses. Sports edutainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. This is Tim Nosid, Donovan Bennett, in for Sixero, who will return next week live from the basement and the in-laws' bedroom for this Tuesday, November 24th. I'm over here. 2020. I remain Timothy McAuliffe, and today kind of sort of got busy, and not in the Burger King bathroom sort of way. Like, we got a couple max deals in the NBA uh, Alberta's getting a little bit out of control. What does that mean to the World Junior Tournament that's supposed to take place there over Christmas? And speaking of deals, Donovan, we've got a pretty big deal on the show today. Yeah, man who got a big deal, secured the bag. Uh, we have the Raptors' Fed Van Vliet, who's going to join us at the top of the hour to discuss said big deal. Four years, $85 million with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to catch up also with Eddie Olchuk as it is the NHL's Hockey Fights Cancer Month. And it's going to look, obviously, a little bit different this year during uh, the hiatus. So, so we'll shine a light on that with our friend of the show and survivor, Eddie O. Uh, that's next hour. And we've, we've got some playoff footy. Uh, TFC kicks off their playoffs tonight against Nashville SC. Still sounds weird to say that. Nashville SC in East Hartford. Also weird to say that. Um, and some Champs League action. So longtime soccer scribe Grant Wall will stop by in about 20 minutes. Uh, we've got some significant stories, though, as you mentioned, Timmy, in the NBA. All right, so let's start there. Uh, we've got a par- pair of monstrous deals for Bam Adebayo and Brandon Ingram, uh, but we'll start with our guest. And Fred Van Vliet's bet on himself paid off in a big way earlier this week. Van Vliet officially re-signed with the Raptors today, reported for your $85 million deal, the richest contract ever signed by an undrafted player. Earlier today, Fred, Fred met with the Raptors media to discuss his new deal and said he was never really close to leaving. like I'll be back. Um, I think for the most part, my intentions were always clear. I think uh, from their side, it was always clear. And it was almost like so straightforward that it made me question a little bit. Like, it can't be this easy. You know what I mean? So um, once we opened up a little bit, we had some interest from other teams. But like, again, just nothing ever really panned out. This is just another step in the journey for me. it's really just the beginning of the next chapter, and this is kind of, for me at least, closing a chapter on what has transpired up until this point. And now, you know, I feel like I'm on a level playing field, and I've made it. I got both feet inside the door, and I'm in the room, and and now it's time to really, you know, take off and go to another level. Is there a better story in the NBA than that of Fred VanVleet? No man, like I'm I'm trying to think of a better story in sports. Like, you know, in 2020 we haven't had many good stories period, no matter the genre. So yeah, no. I mean, I, my only fear is that people see his story and they just think like, okay, well, I'm just going to I'm going to bet on myself and everything. I'm going to get a contract from my employer. I'm like, nope, not taking it. Now you might want to secure that bag. Like I, I I'm afraid 
you know, my, my brother, you know, just because Freddie, you know, has FEV shop, he's going to want to have tonb.com shop, right? And, and say, you know, instead of bet on yourself, you know, you done know. Um, but, but, but seriously, in, in someone like you, who in your I'd career. I'd buy that shirt. I'd buy that you? shirt. <laughs> yeah. You, you um, done know shirts? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tom B, set it up. Yeah, TomBShop.com. Um, no, but, but like in, in all seriousness, in your career, like you had to bet on yourself. Like you, you, didn't you get Same your start you. at the score? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I drove from London to, to Ottawa to, to help you My f- out. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Games. Let me do this for you. Let me do this for you. My favorite thing is that you paid your own way to the Vanier Cup in Saskatoon in order to work for the score television network during said Vanier cup. And it's interesting that we're going to have Freddie on the show a little later on, because you and I both believe firmly in betting on yourself. Do we not? Yes. I mean, I, I think yeah. you got your role at the score. Like, wasn't it an ad in the paper that you saw? And then you're just like, I don't no, I cold called. Oh, they even, even more bet you, you cold <laughs> yeah. called, but, but, and, and by the way, I should say that, when I was working for free, we went out for for dinner at a steak establishment that I can't name, and uh, you're like, you need to get the garlic shrimp. I'm like, man, I don't have any money, dude. I'm in university. (laughs) And I'm like, thank you, Mr. McAuliffe. It's just water, and the cheapest thing on the menu over here is like, it's garlic, it's butter, it's shrimp. Get it! And I'm like, (laughs) "Um, I can't go Dutch on this. And you got it, and you made me have some. And after I got my first, you know, not a Fred Van Vliet deal, but my first deal, yeah. I got myself some garlic shrimp to celebrate. So uh, peer pressure really helped. The, the point of the Why didn't I just pay for it? Well, I mean, you. I think I'm you were going to, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't take any chances like that. You know, I, <laughs> no, I didn't right. have you enough. Call me on it, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I, I couldn't. Yeah. I, I didn't want to have to wash dishes to pay for my meal. The point <laughs> is okay. that you have to love when someone not only just like puts it out there in the atmosphere but puts in the work afterwards to achieve yeah. those dreams and then by the time they get there they're the same person as they were when they couldn't get two feet in the room as, as fred said mm-hmm. so um i love what it says about him as a person about his family about the culture of the organization um yeah he's an example of leveling up of, of black excellence I'm, i couldn't be a bigger fan Chris Boucher might be close to yeah. that. Like as, as you were yeah. talking, I was thinking in my head, like, this is all check, check, check. Like, give it all. Same thing with Chris Boucher. I don't know if his ends up yeah. with the $85 million deal, but the $13.5 million deal ain't bad. How do you say bet on yourself in French? Like, what if Boucher just shows up to training camp in a week or shouldn't so? Say pas. Yeah. With, with how, say it again? No, I said shouldn't say pas. I don't know. Oh, okay. that was. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't know how you said that in <laughs> yeah. French. Um, but I, but I love that the Raptors gave him more money than probably he could have got on the open market because yeah. they're fostering said culture. But, but what stands out to you about Fred's story and what it represents? Um, my my thing is, and I'm, I want to ask him about this, is that we often do these things where the bet on yourself becomes this cute story. And you forget about the grind that goes in there. Or the people that you know them, they they wake up in the morning and they put on their Twitter, rise and grind. And you know that's the last thing that they're going to do that's part of the grind in the day. They're going to go play video games, maybe eat something and do something by noon, maybe. Right? Like, it's it's this encapsulization of 2020 in a headline and bet on yourself has become that. I want to ask him, like, what was it actually like? Because you know it wasn't that. 
It was G League. It was do whatever the hell you had to do. I remember walking down the street in front of the Score Television Network with five two-fours full of food because I was getting everybody's food. And if you don't know where the Score Television Network is in Toronto, it's the club district. So I'm like 21. I still have a full head of hair. I think I'm good looking. And I'm walking down the street instead of partying with all these people with like five two-fours piled above my head, (laughs) thinking to myself, is this really what I'm getting into? And it was the bet on yourself moment on a different level than Fred Van Vliet, but similar in the idea that sometimes you just got to invest in yourself. And so I want to know what his 2-4 moment was for him. Was your 2-4 moment me saying buy the baked garlic shrimp because it's going to be really good? Um, I mean, that was my like fear and trepidation moment, like, um, for, for sure. But I mean, I think the the real answer and I'm sure the answer for you is like, there isn't one, like there's many, no, there's right? Hundreds, yeah. And so like, we're going to have Fred, uh, you know, on the show at 6 PM. So stick around for that. But like, hit us up, let us know what, what's, what are your bet on yourself moments? Hit us up online. I, it, what, what I will say though, cause bet on yourself now, like I'm hearing it football games or this player better than yourself. Yeah. It's like become uh, part of the, the language of sports. W- what I don't want is like everyone to think like, oh my goodness, my, my path was so difficult. Like I remember the Lakers won a championship and Anthony Davis is like, you know, they never believed, you know, this is <laughs> I'm like, Anthony, you're seven feet tall. You uh, were the first pick in the draft. Like you came out of a program like Kentucky uh, you you basically you said I'm gonna sit out on myself. I'm gonna sit out and make sure I get to a stacked franchise. Like, yes, I'm sure you've worked hard, but like, let's let's keep it in some perspective. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm looking forward to to catching up with Fred because I could listen to that dude talk like you know nonstop. Uh, Perry sur toi-même is what Bruno says it is. Oui, I can't oui. confirm or deny. Uh, I do know sur toi-même sounds right. I don't know about the Paris part, but whatever. Maybe I just swore on national TV in French. I'm going to move yeah, on. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy that on a hoodie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't uh, yeah, want to. With, I don't, with I don't a Jordan Jumpman? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to pe- be one of those people, whether it's a tattoo or like a hoodie, where you're walking around with something in a different language, and you don't know for <laughs> don't sure know what it, what is, it yeah. means. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that right. guy. One part of this Freddie Van Vliet deal that I think has to do with these two max contracts that we saw in the NBA today is that, and Michael Grange reported this earlier today, uh, his salary declines 8% in the second year to around $19.5 million. Now, that offers you up some flexibility. What's that for? Well, a couple of pretty significant moves in New Orleans and Miami. Brandon Ingram and Bam Adebayo both signed max extensions, which had some suggesting this means Giannis is staying in Milwaukee, especially if the Heat did this with Bam. Are you buying that these two deals are suggesting that Giannis is staying in Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, well, the Bam one more so, right? Because the, the, the Heat realistically could be in on, on Giannis. And, and could you take a chance? By saying, bam, sorry, my guy, I know you've outperformed your deal now, but you're going to have to wait a year. Like, that, such is yeah. life. Like, I'm, I'm not going to treat all our players equal. We're going to treat them fair. And uh, we'll talk in 365 days or less now, I suppose. But, yeah, I, I think that's the only thing. The, the one other thing that would have to drop would be Raptor-centric, and it would be if OG and Anobi maybe got a further extension. That would be further information. But 
But I, I, we said this yesterday. I still say it today. They have DocuSign in Greece. Like, it, it, I, th- I feel like in the NBA where you always hear about things before they happen. Yeah. I feel like if Giannis was going to sign, we would have heard about it. And, and so I still am a bit, bit skeptical. Uh, but what does it mean to you? What, what do those tea leaves mean to you? Raptor fans who keep like another suitor is seemingly out on Giannis. Like that's what it re- like. Listen, the American media is never going to say someone is going to Toronto. In fact, we're seeing it in Major League Baseball, and nothing is happening. So, never mind what the American media is saying. Just focus on yourselves. And what you have right now as Raptor fans is one, the flexibility to bring in Giannis. And two, he hasn't signed the max deal. And seemingly three, Miami is now out on that. And important to know that Adebayo and uh, you know, I say it all the time and I never screw it up. But Giannis coming down in three, two, Atentacumpo. 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 They have the same agent, Adebayo and Atentacumpo. It's harder to say both of them back to back. Maybe that's what threw me off. Either way, Bam would know what Giannis is doing. True. If they That's have the same point. agent, That's right? And ESPN's Brian Windhorst earlier today, before all this kind of came out, said that Anthony Davis and Adebayo's contracts were waiting on what Giannis does. So Bam signs, and a lot of people jump to the conclusion that Giannis now knows, or maybe Bam knew what Giannis was doing, and he decided to get his out of the way as well. But the idea of AD waiting on Giannis so that the Lakers might be able to structure a deal that could help them sign Giannis? Like, can you imagine if Giannis goes to L.A.? Like, you thought people were vexed when KD went to Golden State? Like, at least the Warriors built their championship on their own and then added to it. Draymond, Clay, Steph, all homegrown. The Lakers get LeBron. They hijack AD out of New Orleans. If they add Giannis, I think NBA fans will be more upset than we have ever seen them in the in the history of this newfound force your way out of it. I would say they might stop watching, but I, I think that's wrong. They'd probably hate watch, to be honest. <laughs> like I, I just I, people we're already super frustrated when, when Katie took advantage of the cap spiking and going to the 73-win Golden State Warriors. But the, the ratings were, were, were through the roof. And, you know, the, the trilogy we got between the, LeBron and the Cavs and the Warriors was, was fascinating, you know, content. I, I, how, how do you level up further? Like whether it's the, the, the Nets super team after the Celtics super team or the Heat big three or, you know, the, obviously the Warriors getting together now with what the Lakers are doing and Harden wanting to go to Nets. Like eventually you're going to, you're one, going to run out of cap space, but two, you're just going to run out of spots to place all-stars. And I, I don't know. I, I think it would get to a point where, where people would, would almost revolt because, let's be honest, games would not be interesting when you have three guys with a seven-foot wingspan that all can handle the ball and they play on the same team. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I just, if you're a Raptors fan and you're looking at this and I know that everyone is telling you that you don't have a chance at Giannis, let me be the one guy to say you might. And it's getting better as it goes along. So it's obvious what the Raptors are doing uh, the American media isn't paying attention. They've created a spot where they could fit him in 
And there aren't a lot of teams that will be able to do that, period. So as these teams dwindle and you're still in the hunt, your chances get better. And I'm like, I'm not prone to hyperbole. Like, I'm not here sitting here pumping tires to try and say, I just know everyone's moving on. And I'm like, wait a second here. It, it could still happen. And I will put nothing past Masai, who decided that Aaron Baines was better than Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. Why? I don't think it was for this year. No, no. Um, and then, I mean, ooh. Let's just use our memories. The American media said that the Kawhi Leonard trade would not get done, even though mm-hmm. the Vegas odds continued to improve, improve, improve. And then when it did get done, they said that Kawhi Leonard may or may not report. And he right. obviously did with the awkward photo of him and Bobby Webster and what we kind of like had to like zoom in. It's like, is that a smile on his face? <laughs> But he's, he was he showed up and he played and he played well and now many Raptors fans are wearing championship merchandise with gold like calligraphy all over it. So um, I, I would be very comfortable that this team, whether it's Giannis or somebody else, will be competitive in free agency a year from now. Um, I wanted to get to Monday Night Football and the MLS, but we got Grant Wall coming up, and I'm not sure that in the time that we have allotted for the rest of this block that we will get to Monday Night Football. So let's circle back to Monday Night Football, perhaps in the third block after Grant Wall, but we'll get to what happened with Tom Brady and the Los Angeles Rams. Meanwhile, Toronto FC takes on Nashville tonight, round one MLS playoffs. Last year, TFC made it all the way to the MLS Cup Final before losing to Seattle because that's who they play when they get to the MLS Cup Final. Do you think they have another long playoff run in them? I mean, this is kind of what they do is they have long playoff runs and then outside of one year, you know, they find a way to lose in like devastating fashion in the freezing cold, whether it's being, you know, dominated by a goaltender that used to be in your organization and and fry or having heartbreak in in, in penalty kicks and multiple times. Like, I I think they're built for a long run. To me, this is the question. And and I want to ask Grant Wall when we have on later. I, I feel like. I know nothing about this team. And part of it maybe is because it's been out of sight, out of mind a little bit because of the pandemic. But also part of it is because when have they had their best 11 at any point in the season? I don't think they really have. And so it's tough for me to say if they're going to go on a long run because it's tough for me to say whether Josie Altidore should be starting up front or not. And and so I'm more interested in the team selection, especially with Marky Delgado and Justin Morrow uh, out of the lineup than I am necessarily about anything else in in this game. Do you think they can go on a long run? Uh, I I think with anything predicting in 2020 has become a a fool's errand. I don't (laughs) like, I know I asked the question and I know I looked at you for an answer, but I listen, they played above their heads for most of the year, yes. and they'll have to continue to do that in order to make a long run. But, I mean, listen, they were, what, second in MLS? Like, yeah. they came... So, they they have the tools to do it. They have had the depth that they needed to get through this, but the way they finished the season scares me a little bit if you're a TFC fan. The other thing that scares me a little bit is is the future, because... And maybe we'll get into this with Grant Wall a little bit. Like, how hard has the MLS been hit by the pandemic? Like, you and I are both huge fans of the CFL. And I don't know what your take is on why the CFL did not play a season this year. My take on the CFL shuttering for this season was they couldn't afford to lose the money that it would cost them to pay for this year. And I look at the MLS, and I know that it has grown unbelievably over the last 
decade, decade and a half. But this this year has to have hurt a league that's still, to this point, kind of gate driven. Oh, I, I think more than kind of big time. Yeah. They're they're gate driven, and you know one of my fears with the league was that it was growing a little too fast. And yeah. although, you know, you had the benefit of some real strong United States markets in those gates and you wanted to replicate that in other markets, some of those new franchises, now obviously Nashville has had success early on, but some of those new franchises who don't necessarily have success and, and more importantly, people aren't really in the buildings, a year where you're kind of out of sight, out of mind, like that, that hurts your ability to, to sell your program in the United States. And so I, I do worry about, well, one, like, the MLS has zero off-season. So training camp is like three months from now. <laughs> so what is the world going to look like, number one? And, and will they be able to have fans and stands in a real way in the spring, number one? But two, I, I really worry about the, the viability of marketing a program that people haven't been able to interact with up close and personal. And, and to be honest, that includes in this market, in, in Canada, where you know, you've got three really strong fan bases. I, I worry about fighting for attention in this attention economy that we have in Canadian sports as well. Uh, Donovan Bennett in for Sid Sixero. For those who don't know, um, Jonathan writes in and says, heaven knows the basement broadcasts involve a myriad of challenges, but Donovan has better lighting than Tim. That might have something to do with the reflection. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can't take... Um, I can't take any credit for my lighting situation. You know, my wife is a TV producer. My father-in-law is a photo editor. Like, I have people around me who can light things. And uh, the skin tone, very difficult to light. So I, I do, I take that as a compliment. Thank you. Right. It's not often that you hear that when you have no, a brother and a no. white dude sitting together and everyone says the lighting's way better than a brother. But it's true. And I got to think it's got to do with my five head as well. At my six it's, my seven it's head. one of your few built-in advantages that you can be lit well by an ENG camera guy. Not this time. Still to come. Fresh off of cashing in some of his chips, Mr. Bet on Yourself. Freddie Van Vliet drops by top of the hour to discuss his past, his future, and the losses of Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol. And TFC kicks off what they hope to be a significant playoff run against Nashville tonight in Hartford. Oh, 2020. Did Borussia Dortmund just let us in on a secret even though they didn't play him is the next huge young talent coming out of germany and just 16 grant wall will stop by next to discuss on tim and sid featuring donovan bennett sportsnet 590 the fan in toronto and sportsnet tv as an unlicensed doctor, we suggest a prescription for one of our shows. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Fake doctor's orders. Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Sid featuring Donovan Bennett. More Blue Jays rumors. A story about Damar and Masai coming together. Ed Olchuk and Freddie Van Vliet will join us. Freddie at the top of the hour. But in the meantime, we've got a pretty significant day in football. Not only TFC getting their playoffs underway against Nashville FC, but a full day of Champs League action. Group stage match day number four sees Juve, uh, Barca, PSG, Man U, all 
on the field. And there was a rumor about a Wonderkin perhaps getting some time for Dortmund. Uh, it didn't pan out, but I want to ask about him. Here to help is a man that knows, uh, that is known to most soccer fans on this side of the pond. He is the host of Football with Grant Wall. That's right. It's Grant Wall. Welcome to Tim and Say, Grant. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Um, let's start in North America. And, and the MLS playoffs are underway. It's a single elimination for the second straight season, which can lead to a lot. But who do you see as the favorites? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, Philadelphia Union won the Supporters' Shield. Uh, the Supporters' Shield winner, which is the trophy you get for the best regular season record hasn't always gone on to do that well in the playoffs so uh, we'll see if that happens this time around but i think the union has a real chance to do that because they can hurt you in so many ways they've got young guys like brendan aronson mark mckenzie they've got veterans like ilsenio and i just like the way that they've won their games this year and and we'll see if they're able to to keep it up um, you know, obviously Seattle and Toronto have made three of the last four MLS Cup finals, which is kind of crazy for a league that tries to have parity in it because both those teams could get to the final again this year. Um, so I don't think you would ever want to rule out Toronto and Seattle, and I think they've got a, a really good shot at making a deep run here again. You mentioned TFC and that record to getting to finals. Well, they've only won one of them. You know, this era, they've spent a lot of money, and they've been really competitive and had some sustained success. But ultimately, how do you characterize this era if it doesn't produce, you know, a couple more trophies? Well, when they did win the MLS title that year, I think you can make a very good argument that was the best team in the history of Major League Soccer. Uh, and so I think that's something you can never take away uh, from a team. And and I, I agree kind of with your point that I, it's one thing to make it to finals. It's one thing they made it to a CONCACAF Champions League final but didn't win it. And and so you're in the game to win trophies. Um, but I still think when you look at, at what Toronto has done in this era and how much money has been spent and the trophies that have been won – I think there's something to really hang your hat on there, and and I don't think it's necessarily over either. It's uh, it's been a challenging season, and yet they still finished second to Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I'm not sure that we still blink at things in 2020 like playing Nashville SC in Hartford. Um, but is there <laughs> is there a rest versus rust that may play a part here? in round one like how do you critique what the mls has done here with the play-in games and i think toronto could use it to get healthy but there's still a little bit of a wait between their last game and this game there is because of the fifa international window uh and you know i i'm glad mls didn't play any playoff games during the international window but it does mean toronto's had some time off here i still think that Toronto and Montreal have been asked to do, in, in Vancouver, uh, to do something very, very difficult, which is to spend a lot of time basically living south of the border uh, and playing their games in, you know, quote, home games in stadiums in Hartford and in New Jersey and in Portland. And that takes a huge toll on the players in their personal lives. And so 
I think the Canadian teams have really had an extra barrier put up to succeeding this season. And so for Toronto to be in the, you know, the two seed in the East and be in a position to make a run here, you know, I find that really impressive. I don't think the rust is going to hurt them. I, you know, Nashville did play on Friday night uh, just to get to this point, but you know, I think Toronto has a lot of a lot of veteran players on it that won't let the time off get to them and be a real issue. So that international window and, and MLS playing off schedule with the rest of the football world means that next season actually isn't that far away. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that your wife, Dr. Celine Gounder, recently named to mm-hmm. Biden's COVID-19 advisory board, has two pretty good podcasts of her own, American Diagnosis and Epidemic. I, your household has like the most podcasts in the world, it seems. <laughs> um, you guys have more impressions than the Kardashians. But the, the Sounders, they had a player that tested positive recently. Next season's that far away. You've got some great intel in your household. What will or could an MLS season look like, you know, in the spring if we're not totally into whatever our new normal is going to be with the COVID-19 virus? I mean, we're not going to have, you know, mass quantities of North Americans getting vaccines and, and vaccinated until the middle of next calendar year. So, and that's in a sort of best case scenario there. So I think that's, it's important for people to understand that, yes, the first people will be receiving the vaccine at the kind of the end of December. Those are going to be frontline health workers and really exposed populations like seniors. And, and most of us, most of us other folks are going to be getting the vaccine later on. In, in fact, as, as late as midway through next year, uh, maybe even slightly later. Um, and so if that's the case, we shouldn't be expecting full stadiums again until the second half of 2021. And that's going to have an impact on a lot of things, including, you know, MLS's bottom line. Yeah. You know, they just let go 20 percent of their headquarters staff in New York this past week, which is really unfortunate. A lot of individual clubs have, have let people go, furlough people. And it's still going to, you know, transmission and, and uh, you know, social social distancing and masks are going to be part of what we're dealing with well into 2021. And that includes for the team. So this hasn't ended yet, and um, it's going to make life continue to be difficult. Grant Wall joining us here on Tim and Sid featuring Donovan Bennett. Uh, I, I was going to walk down that road a little further, but I, I want to have a conversation um, about the next phenom. And I know that you're doing one of those podcasts that Donovan mentioned uh, in the household on Freddie Adu called American Prodigy. So I know that you're studying the idea. And Borussia Dortmund feel like they have one in a 16-year-old, actually just turned 16-year-old, in, in Yusafa Mukoku, a, a kid who just turned 16, I think, four days ago. I People were expecting that he was going to play today or wondering if he was going to play today. He didn't get into the game. But I, I'm curious, as someone who's studying it in, in the Freddie Adu story, do we ever know what is too early and for who? The answer is kind of no, we don't. Um, But I I do find it interesting that with Makoko, the German Bundesliga has a rule preventing making a debut for a Bundesliga first team until you turn 16. 
Mm-hmm. And obviously MLS did not have that rule with Freddie Adu, who debuted at age 14 for DC United back in 2004. And I kind of wish MLS had that rule back then because I do think it, it, it was too early for Freddie. I, and I think looking back, it's easy to say now, but part of my series gets into all the decisions that adults made around Freddie that impacted him back then that didn't really set him up to succeed, including having a national TV ad campaign with Freddie Adu and Pele, the greatest player of all time, which instantly set up that expectation for a 14-year-old that he was going to be the next Pele and made it almost impossible for Freddie to succeed, no matter what he did. Um, we haven't seen that with Makoko. Um, you know, it's just a, almost an apples to oranges type situation compared with the Freddie Adu one, but... You know, Makoko has been training with the Dortmund first team since the beginning of the year, so he was familiar with that. He hasn't been deluged with media the way Freddie was back in the day. Um, And he's been allowed in this very successful, you know, historically successful club at developing young talent at Dortmund. Uh, It seems like they brought him along really well. And so he did debut at 16 years and a day in the Bundesliga a few days ago. We may not have seen him today, but I I think we will a fair amount in the near future here. And everyone says he's, he's the real thing, but the club also says the right things about, you know, this isn't about the here and now we want to set him up to succeed for years and years. The podcast that you've got uh, on Freddie with Blue Wire Pods is really fascinating. And it's a story that you know I feel like we've heard for a while. I remember seeing him and his face in the back of PTI forever. He had so much you know pressure on him, not just for the league, but really USA Soccer. Since we've heard so much about the story, in your reporting, what's one thing you've learned that you didn't really know or realize? Um, I, I learned a lot of stuff about from Freddie's DC United teammates of what it was like to be inside that team in 2004, Freddie's rookie season, when you had a 14 year old who was getting paid more than any other player in the league, who had never played a pro game, who had a lot to learn. And the players on that team dealing with that circus, the media circus, um, there was a lot going on there. Like episode two just released today we're releasing one a week every Tuesday. And in, in this new episode, Aleko Eskandarian, who was uh, the, the next youngest player on the team, he was 20 that year, and he talked about how Freddie Adu wanted his uniform number and told a story about Freddie won number 11, which was Aleko's number. Aleko had been the number one pick in the MLS draft the year before, so a, a really good player. And he remembers getting a call one day when he was training with the under-23 national team and thinking he was being traded. And he talks to the D.C. United team president and other people from the club who actually say, no, it's just that Freddie Adu wants your number, your uniform number. And eventually, Eskandarian says, no, no, you know, I'm not going to give it up. And um in just stories like that about how much of an impact Freddie Adu had just inside that team, that's just one example of a bunch. And how that team was able to to deal with that and actually win the MLS title that year is a really interesting story, too. So it wasn't just about Freddie, but it was about all of the impact that Freddie had and, and how Freddie fit in that year. 
as people can see on TV, it's out now, Blue Wire Pods. Uh, you can also check it out wherever you get your fine podcast. Grant, always great catching up with you. Thanks for the information. Uh, it's, it's always enlightening to speak to you. My pleasure, guys. Take care. There is uh, Grant Wall, longtime SI, now football with Grant Wall. It rhymes. Uh, by the way, <laughs> Dortmund has this thing where they develop good young talent. Like, yeah, it is their thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's their thing. So he's in good hands. And speaking of, they won three nothing today in Champs League against uh, Club Bruges. Uh, Jaden Sancho, one of those good players yeah. that is young, scored, and Erling Holland had two more. He had four on the weekend. Like I don't know what this kid. Like we're talking about. There's no pressure to play this 16 year old Makoko because Holland is unbelievable at least until they sell him. Six goals, two games. It's unbelievable what he's doing. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Dorman because when he, when Grant was talking about Freddie Dew, the whole time I was thinking of Christian Pulisic, who, who came up, yeah. you know, and similarly was the American prodigy and the way his parents handled him, allowing him to play other sports, allowing him to be a normal kid or as normal as possible. Um, yeah. It was the opposite of Freddie, who was basically commodified and sold at, at a young age and so both both you know sets of parents i'm sure had the best intentions but totally different outcomes as you know christian starred at dortmund and now he's in the premier league yeah i know we've been up canada soccer and for good reason for the last little while but there's a canadian mm-hmm. starting for juve today excuse me an american starting for juve today and another american scored a goal for barca today so american soccer also rising quickly all right still to come The Raptors' Freddie Van Vliet stops by. When did he know he was staying in Toronto? And what's it like to bet on yourself and win? And, of course, his favorite Serge Ibaka moment. All coming up. And with NBA free agent flying, Major League Baseball has slowed to a glacial pace. But that does not mean that the Jays aren't rumored in more dudes than we can count on one hand. We'll give you the latest to be tied to the Bluebirds next and Tim and Sid featuring Donovan Bennett all week on Sportsnet 590, The Fan in Toronto and Coast to Coast on TV. This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, The Fan on Demand. Welcome back to Tim and Sid. I am Donovan Bennett in for Sid, who is getting a well-deserved rest this week. Um, Fred Vliet not getting a rest. Uh, he had his presser with the media earlier today. He's going to join us at the 6 o'clock hour, so just hold on around 12-ish minutes for that. But first, we've got to talk about another local team, uh, the Blue Jays, because, Timmy, another day. Another yeah. Blue Jays rumor is MLB free agency hasn't picked up like NBA, but in his latest column, Ken Rosenthal wrote, the Jays reportedly offered free agent right-hander Kevin Gossman a three-year deal in the $40 million range before he accepted the Giants' one-year $18.9 million qualifying offer. Rosenthal then added, the Jays, meanwhile, continue to pursue some free agents at a breakneck pace. So the, the question is, there's been a lot of smoke around the Blue Jays this offseason, yeah. but will there be any fire with, with guys like George Springer and DJ LeMay, who rumored to be involved in, 
in the Jays' plans? I just love how many different names we're getting here. Like, we also add, uh, I think it was Craig Mish, who covers the Marlins locally, does some work for MLB Network, saying that the Jays were interested in JT Realmuto. Like, how many catchers do they need? I mean, this is their... Every name that seems to be out there is now tied. Now I'm getting, like, fatigue on the Jays being linked to play. At first, it was fun. It was new. It felt like something we hadn't seen in a long time. Hey, look, the Jays, they're in on everybody. And now I'm just like, all right, Michael Brantley, that's interesting. Sure. I like him. The guy, the guy can hit. He's a professional hitter. Bring him in. But... When you get so many names out there, it, there's a fatigue sets in. I think the Jays are going to play. I've said this for a couple weeks now. I think they're going to be in on not just one but two significant names. I don't mean that it's going to be top-level significant names, but there will be two guys that end up going to Toronto. The problem that I'm starting to have right now is that when you're tied to so many different names, it means that you're struggling to get the ones that you really want. Well, it's funny because as you were saying that, that's what I was thinking about. Like, yeah, you can throw the Michael Brantley out there and the Justin Turner out there and the DJ LeMahieu out there and the George Springer out there, but if you come home with none of them, that's not necessarily a good look. Like, you better get one at least. My question is, is this the right time? Like, you know, yes, they made the playoffs last year in, in a small sample size. But the previous years, they finished fourth in the East and fourth in the East. And and so I, I just don't know if just one of these names makes you that close so that your money is well spent. I, I, I feel like they're still a couple years away. You know, what the, the, the elephant in the room is something I don't want to bring up because it's brought up everywhere else. And it's you want to talk about fatigue, you just say the words COVID-19 and people check out because mm. they want to just get past it. And I understand it. It's tough. It's tough as bleep. But I feel like the elephant in the room for a lot of these things is the response to COVID-19. And the Jays almost have a head start on other teams because they dealt with it where they had to be out of their own stadium. But I think that there is a stall in the market because nobody knows what next year is going to look like. And our last guest may have had the best insight onto what it's going to look like because his wife is going to set the plan for the United States with Joe Biden, right? And what did he say? Full stadiums late next year. Like, if the United States decides that they need to get this thing under control, like, we're going to see a different season and different money. And I feel like everyone, the reason why you hear a bunch of different names is because, like, listen, nothing is immune. This will be the NHL. This will be Major League Baseball. This will be the NFL. I'm looking up and seeing quotes about Hockey Canada. Like, Alberta mm. now has the most cases active in Canada. And we're playing the World Junior Tournament in late December in Edmonton. They're going to bubble it up, and I think the bubble will be safe. But when you have three members of the team already with COVID, and from what I heard was testing every or twice a week, not even every two days, but twice a week, I like it makes me worried that there are going to be a lot of things that people thought we were getting back to normal, and we're not going to get there. And I feel like that's the elephant in the room on all of it, including the Jays. Well, here's the other word that is often used in Jay's off seasons that makes people a little bit annoyed. Budget. 
right? There's always a conversation. What's their budget going to be this year? How do you and know the budget? Year, well, well, that's that's the thing. But but I, but but I wonder if there's a unique opportunity where teams that revenue is tied to people being in the gates, and, and certainly that would be the case for the Jays. But maybe you can offset some of those costs because. Well, not only does the gates matter, let's be honest, the, the TV product matters. Everyone loves to crush Rodgers and say, oh, you're not spending enough money. You don't want them to win. You know who wants this team to win more than anybody? Rodgers, because it's good for the, the website. It's good for the TV product. It's good for everybody. So I just wonder if maybe you do spend a little bit more because you can offset some of your losses by making money in other ways. Right. And I think there are guys that are looking at Toronto and saying, I don't want to go there. Oh, they're, they're offering me the most money. Oh, I'm getting the longest term there because everyone else is worried about what the heck COVID is going to bring to their state and their team. I'm with you. Like, I think this could be a real opportunity. And that's why you're seeing so many names that normally wouldn't have anything to do with Toronto going, meh, maybe, maybe. I'll chill in Buffalo Uh, for that price. (laughs) Yeah. If it is indeed Buffalo. Uh, Listen. A guy who's going to chill in Tampa and Toronto next year is going to join us next. Wondered if Freddie Van Vliet would find greener pastures somewhere else with a little more money. He signs the four-year, $85 million deal with Toronto to remain a Raptor. We will talk to Mr. Bet on Yourself next right here on Tim and Sid Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto and Coast to Coast on the Sportsnet television network subscribe to our radio shows at itunes or with your favorite podcatcher no medical exam or health questions will be asked sportsnet 590 the fan on demand it's time for real sports talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. In for Sid Sexero is the wonderful and talented Donovan Bennett, who joins me uh, from his in-law's bedroom. That's correct. True story. From the in-law's bedroom. I'm Tim McAuliffe from the basement. This is 2020. Um, Eddie Olchek is going to yeah. join us. Freddie Van Vliet in mere moments from now. And we have a wedding cut or uncut. True story. Oh, I attended. I attended Donovan Bennett's wedding and met Timothy and his lovely wife, who are kindly putting Donovan up while they sell his house and allowing him to use their bedroom in Hamilton to conduct (laughs) these shows. Timothy and Sue, yes. Both lovely people putting me up. Uh, though, uh, what happened in this wedding cut and cut did not happen at my wedding. I, I can assure you that there was a few things. That a tease okay. Let me just, uh, let me just throw this out there before we move on from the Jays. Who is the one guy that you hope they end up with? Because they've been rumored to be linked to everyone from George Springer to DJ LeMayhew. Ooh. We're adding... JT Real Muto to the mix. Trevor Bauer has been tied. We're adding Michael Brantley to the mix today, as uh, Ken Rosenthal mentioned in his column. If if there's one guy that you think wow, wow. this will this will get me to watch, this will put them over the top. This will put them in a position to succeed. Any of the above, who is it? 
So, I mean, I'm going to not answer your question because that's what I do. Like, so uh, I'm loyal to DJs, obviously. So DJ LeMayhew, I rate him. I would pay my hard-earned money to watch him play. The content creator in me? Bring me some Trevor Bauer, like please, like that. It will, whether it goes well or not well, there will be some content. But I think the the name, even though it's be a trade, not just free agency, so you got to give something up. The name that makes this team the better in the biggest way, I think, is Blake Snell. Is it not? Like you can never have enough pitching. You can never have enough starting pitching, and and having a true bona fide ace. I don't care what anyone says, really matters. Look at the teams who have won; they've had aces. So, so I think that's the name. But, but. Who you got? What is Timmy's depth chart looking like? No, I'm with you. I think it's pitching. I think it's starting pitching. Listen, I think you're going to have to get better defensively. You can get better defensively in different ways. And I think the Jays, the reason Punch why... Punch-outs help. Yeah. The, 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 the reason why they're tied to so many names is because they'd love to be able to do defense and add a bat to the middle of the order. And if you could kill two birds with one stone or feed two birds with one scone... Um, then you, then you do, then you do that with a guy like uh, Francisco Lindor or a guy like George Springer, mm. who adds defense and adds a bat. But I think the easiest way to go about it will be to add to your starting rotation, and then get a piece that can hit as well. And I think that's why you're hearing Michael Brantley over the last little while, because he's not necessarily the piece that will do it defensively, but he will be a middle of the order bat. Yeah, I'd, I'd just love for this organization who's been um, cost-wise, prudent, uh, to they've just go cheap. just go ham. Yeah. Uh, okay. They've been saving I mean, their money. No, they've been, they've been cheap for a reason. And I'm not afraid to say it. They were, cheap. they were cheap because they knew if they got the opportunity, they would spend it. And here you are. Whether yeah. it's this year, yeah. next year, it's soon. We need something in this, in this baseball. We need yeah, something yeah. to get excited about, yeah, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it'll be fun if they can uh, pull off one, let alone two. Uh, when the term bet on yourself is uttered, our next guest comes to mind. From going undrafted in front of fans and family at his own draft party to a free agent deal with the Raptors to making his first NBA start close to home in Chicago to the largest contract ever given to an undrafted player. It's been a pretty incredible journey for Fred Van Vliet. I don't know any basketball, real basketball player that would tell you he didn't want to go to the NBA, so that's the big dream. I had a chance to get drafted, uh, but they were talking about putting me in the D-League for two to three years, you know, slaving away for 20000 a year, 10000 a year, turning those down. Along your life, there's things of how your story goes. And for me, the bet on yourself thing, it was born out of nobody believing in me. I had to believe in myself. Obviously, it's evolved into something greater than that. I'm just that guy in the corner who really believes that he's just as good or better than everybody. He had to prove himself everywhere on every level. Van Vliet using a screen, three-pointer. Oh, Van Vliet again. Van Vliet. What a tough shot. Van Vliet gets a wide open look. Puts it in. Fred Van Vliet. The biggest game of his life. And he is shining. The Raptors. The 2019 NBA champs. Rapford. Rapford is for you, baby. Bet on yourself.
It's one thing to bet on yourself. It's another to put in the work and be able to take those chips to the window and cash out. Fred Van Vliet has done that a couple of times now, and we welcome him to the show. Freddie, thanks for doing this, and congrats on the new deal. Man, thank you. Thanks for having me. When did you know that you were going to return to the Raptors? Uh, I mean, I, that was kind of our plan the whole time, but, um, you know, just when the deal got done was, what, Saturday? Saturday morning, so um, that was a big, big relief for me to, to have that kind of behind us for sure. Now, we noticed in the deal, player option for year four, so you're still betting on yourself to be able to level up. How do you want to improve over the span of this deal, the way you've improved in your career so far? Um, just keep making jumps. You know, I think keep continuing to be more efficient um, and then tighten up a lot of the things that I'm already good at. Um, and just, I think with, with a bigger role and a bigger opportunity, I'm going to have more chances to make more plays and do more things and become a better, uh, even, even more better of a leader. Um, so everything that I've, I've done thus far, I can get better at, and there's areas that I need to improve that I will improve in. So I'm excited about the next few years and what that'll look like as an individual, but ultimately, you know, the, the goal is, is to keep working towards that next championship. You, you do realize that you've become almost the example to bet on yourself, to never give up, to keep working. Like other guys who are now passed over use your name as inspiration that it can be done. Do you know that? Like, Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's cool to be on this side of it. Um, but, you know, the others, I was just on the other side of it not too long ago. So um, I, I don't forget, you know, my memory is, is not that bad. I remember a lot of uh, situations that I've been in, a lot of people saying certain things. And, um, you know, you just keep that with you and you – try to be gracious and humble along your way. But in the back of your mind, you know, you, you always keep things in perspective. But um, I do think that it's important that a lot of guys who are in the similar position I was in can use my story. But just, you know, understand if you really want to use my story, do your research and, and, and really dive into what that took because it's not just as simple as saying, oh, everybody's overlooking me and they don't think I'm good enough. And then, you know, you sign for a big contract. It's not that simple. All right, let's examine that because I, I love it. Um, in this day and age, sometimes things become this tight little story that people can easily consume and move on. To me, it does a disservice to what was actually accomplished. Like, what do people miss about your journey to this point that you want them to know? Like, it's easy to say, hey, get on your grind or rise and grind. but It's another yeah. thing to actually do it. Yeah, I mean, it's just you got to be the only person in the world who believes in yourself more you know, than anybody else. Like, you can't – I have an incredibly, you know, important support system behind me um, that allowed me to feel these type of things and, and allowed me to, to be on this journey. But at the same time, they couldn't do it for me. So what I see with a lot of guys is there's people around, around them that believe in them more than they believe in themselves. And that can never be the case. And for me – I've always been kind of classified as like this crazy, ambitious, arrogant guy who felt like, you know, he was always better than what he is. But, you know, who's to say I'm not? And and I'm not going to ever let anybody else put a value on me. I'm the only person that can determine my value. And, you know, that's what's, what's led me to this point. So 
there's no way to sum up the story. You just have to kind of look through the story and look through the highs and the lows and um, understand that you have to be okay with accepting your role because I did when I first came into the league. I had to accept the situation I was in. But it never dimmed my flame to the point to where I just fell completely into that because if that was the case, I would still be an end-of-the-bench guy. Let's talk about that support system. Because when you originally signed at the beginning of your journey, uh, the money as an undrafted free agent isn't in the paper. Now you sign, the money's in the paper, it's on Twitter. Uh, how many people are starting to hit you up with numbers that you don't recognize trying to be a part of that support system now that you've really leveled up? Uh, not too many. We keep a tight ship over here. So I kind of cut off the fat really early in my life. Um, and that, no, that 500000 I was making my first year, that was in the paper in Rockford, I guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, and it didn't get clicks, but people have been knowing what I've been making for the last four years, so I'm used to it. But we've just been running this tight ship. I mean, people see it now because I've made it to what the public views as the top of the mountain. But, like, the stuff that I'm saying now, the stuff that I'm doing now, I've been on this for 10, 15 years now, and then just now it makes sense before you get to that point, it just sounds crazy. And, you know, people look at you like you don't know what you're talking about or, or you know, you believe in yourself too much. But now it makes sense. And, and now everybody can look back and say, oh, okay, he didn't know what he was talking about or he didn't know what he was doing. Or, man, how did we miss that? You missed it because you wanted to miss it. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just how it goes. I love that we're hearing part of the support system right now. Is, yeah, is yeah, that the same? They got, yeah, they got big boots on and beads flying around their heads, crying, <laughs> jumping around. So they never, they're never too far away. Hey, don't worry about it. I just dropped my son off back at school. Um, so let's let's talk about this because I, I, when you bring up the support system, obviously family, friends, people who work with you, people who have worked with you along the way, and teammates. And Kyle Lowry had a pretty cool Instagram post when the reports of your signing came out. And he talked about the blood, sweat, and even the broken teeth among that post. Um, and then talked a little bit about the man that you have become. What What is Kyle's support meant to you, especially when you're drafted? He could be looked at as the guy who had the spot you wanted. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's my brother, man. It's hard to, to put into words. I think that... Um, what he's speaking to is more so the the relationship. And I try to tell people this all the time. Like when I came into camp, Kyle didn't know me from a can of paint. And, you know, he showed me the respect. But I also demanded my respect as well. So when he when we had our interactions, I think he saw just how I was on it as far as my character and, and my play and the way that I was, you know, moving. And I saw that he was open to me a little bit and I just knew I had to take that and run with it so you know I tell people all the time my first day at camp I thought I was trying to get to the gym you know early Kyle had already been in there for an hour and a half (laughs) and then you know he comes up to me and says you know here Rook carry this bag for me and like I'm like all right shit I'm in the NBA I carry I carry all your bags if you want me to like I don't (laughs) you know but now that I'm in this position I see guys that don't do that there's rookies that come in that don't want to do their rookie duties and it causes a, a, a rift, you know, between the players. And so I say all that to say, if I was coming at him like this is the top guy, I got to cut his legs off from underneath him, I wouldn't probably be in this position I am right now. And if he kept, if he was a jerk to me from day one, you know what I mean, our relationship would have never been what it is to this point. So we would have never been in a position to help each other. 
You know, we just got through the draft process and I found it really interesting that people were saying Peyton Pritchard, a guard like Kyle Lowry, Malachi Flynn, a guard like Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> when, when you were a guard in the draft, people were looking for a guard like Fred Van Vliet. Is there something we can learn that you guys have the intangibles, the competitiveness, and that's not just about the measurables that evaluators should be looking for? Uh, nah, you can't teach it, man. And I've, I've struggled with that in the last two months myself, watching this draft unfold. It's like I've been getting that, the Peyton Pritchards and the Malik. And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I see the game, yeah, okay. But, like, what I have, I don't even know what it is. You know what I mean? So I can't look forward to somebody else. It's like, it's between your ears. It's all mental for me, at least, just speaking for me. But, um, you know, only thing you can do as a guy like me is just appreciate that that's even the possibility. And I spoke on it a little bit earlier. Like, I don't think some of these kids would have been getting drafted if my story doesn't go this way because they would be looked at in a different light. Guys like me were obviously weren't appreciated when I was coming out. So, here we are four years later and these guys are getting drafted and, and I'm now I'm a player comparison on draft night, which is like the funniest thing in the world to me because, you know, I, I went undrafted. So um, you just appreciate the journey and, and kind of, you know, how things have changed so quickly and the way that the NBA changes. We all know it's a copycat league. So I think there's a lot of teams looking for the next Fred Van Vliet or the next Kyle Lowry and saying, how do we not miss on guys like that again? Yeah, without a doubt. It's a great point. Um, speaking of the business, how, how tough is it to say goodbye to Serge Ibaka and Marcus All? It's tough, man. It's tough. Those, you know, those are two of the better bigs in the league and have been for a long time. Um, unbelievably great people and friends and brothers to us and just having that veteran presence in the locker room and on the plane and just, you know, having that advice and people to lean on when you need it. Um, keeping things fresh, keeping things in perspective. Obviously, we won a championship together, so that bond is lifelong. Um, so it's tough to see him go. You know, you understand the nature of the business and how those things go. So um, we wish him the best, and I just I just can't wait to put both of those guys in 100 pick and rolls and <laughs> double team them and, and, and you know, be annoying and foul them. So uh, we'll miss them. I'll miss them more as people than I will as players, but, man, we'll probably miss them on the court for sure. Uh, let me let me follow up on that a second because we played a best of surge off the court yesterday and we were laughing our asses off at yeah. the how hungry are you and eating a beef whatever pizza with yeah. Kawhi Leonard and yeah. the Slam Magazine shoot. Freddie like, Vandelay. Yeah, yeah, Freddie Vandelay. Uh, what's your favorite off the court surge moment? Uh, that's all day every day, man. That's all day every day with Serge. You guys got to see it. He turned into a, a media darling there at the end. I think he he started to you know embellish in it, and once he had his cooking show and the clothing show, like he started to realize that people like that kind of stuff. But that's how he is every day. He's just a character. Um, but you know, I won't I won't miss waiting waiting on the team playing for an hour for him to show up. I won't miss that. I wait an hour after the game for him to to do his uh his facials and and, and exfoliating and all that, but I don't miss my guy a lot, man, for sure. 
No, you're saying he's a media darling. Like, don't act like you're not a mogul at this point. We see the step and repeat behind <laughs> mm -hmm. you with the chip, with the bag in the middle for the, oh, we, we see the, the polo with the logo looking like it's Balenciaga, but it's FEV shop. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what's next in terms of everything that is the business of, of Bet On Yourself and Fred Van Vliet? Um, you know, we're just taking things to the next level. And it's like, it's a slow, steady climb. But I mean, you know, if you see the basketball progression, that's the same thing I'm doing in my business life is just trying to take things one step at a time and trying to think about what's next and, and how do I push forward. And um, I remember I had I had this brand my rookie year and I walked in with, with shirts and they were like, what is that? And I was like, this is me, this is my logo. And they're like, what the hell you got a logo for? You know, you, at the end of the bench, you're going back and forth to the D-League. But I knew in my mind that that's not where I was going to be at, at always. So, again, just we're just building foundations here and trying to build, like, the blueprint and, and kind of, you know, the system and the structure. So that way, when things do take off, here we are now, I already have something in place that can give people that I love jobs and opportunities and, things like that. And also, I'm really into this stuff. So it's just it's super cool to see. But um, the business is definitely booming right now. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, what's next. Now, I know you and I know now that you have the money, you're not going to forget about the movement. And you were really outspoken in the bubble about the Black Lives Matter movement. And so as we move forward to a new season, what can you, what can the, the organization who's been out front, what can the league and the players do to kind of keep that conversation going? Um, continue to raise awareness. I think I kind of shifted my focus once we decided to resume play. Um, and once I learned some details about the league that, that you know, I won't speak on publicly, I, I kind of shifted my focus away from the, the pretty, you know, the words on the court and the words on the jersey, all the symbolic gestures, like, let's get to the real work and let's see what we can really do. So, um, I'm doing work in my hometown like I always do. I'm going to continue to try to find work to do, um, you know, in Toronto. And maybe, you know, we'll find some stuff to do in Tampa. So just put your boots on the ground and get to work and make real change. Um, I'm working on a couple scholarship programs. So things like that, that that's long-term effects. Um, I'm not a politician. Um, I'm not a, a social activist. And I think that for me, um, I'm not going to act like one because it, it, it gets clicks on the internet. So I, I just want to shift my focus a little bit away from like the broadcasting and the mainstream um, effect of saying those things on TV because it just becomes null and void and the people behind the scenes that are making real changes are laughing at us anyway. So let's let's see how we can get real change. And Chow was just on the phone. Um, Larry called me yesterday, Mr. Tannenbaum. And those are the interactions that I want to have. Can I speak to him like I speak to my brother or my dad or my mom, you know, and, and ask him for things and, and he respond. All right, that's changed. Like get him on the phone and, and let's, let's make some real things happen. It's funny. As soon as you said boots to the ground and do some real work, I thought that's what got you where you are in life, period. Uh, it's a, it's a great way to put it. Uh, and also if we can all, I remember we had you in studio in 2018 and you talked, we were talking about bet on yourself. And you said, this has been a journey the entire way. There've been bets on yourself at five and there'll be bets on yourself at 25 and at 35. And if we can help any way along that road, let us know because we always enjoy these conversations. Absolutely, man. Thank you for sure. And it, it takes all of us, man. It takes all of us. And 
obviously in my career, I'm the one doing the work, but it's much more than just me. Um, there's a bunch of people behind me that's, that's, that's rolling with me along the way. And, you know, everybody has to do their part. So uh, I'm just excited in terms of professionally that this is where we are in, in my personal life. Um, but as far as, you know, the activism thing goes, like everybody has to do their part and just and, and we'll build it out from there. Uh, we've always enjoyed the conversations because they're real. Um, whatever the topic has been, and this has been no different. Thank you for the time and come back on the show whenever you want. All right, brother. Thank you, guys. Freddie Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors. Donovan, I feel bad because in the end of that interview, I cut you off and you were about to say something. And I was like, I got to say bye, but what were you going to say? Uh, don't feel bad. Your name's on I'm the good. show, not mine. No, don't feel bad. Uh, no, I was going to, I was just going to say, um, bet like, you know, we, you've said it to him many times. Sid has said it in the past, but yeah, put us to work. Um, you know, anything that we can do to help him and what he's trying to do. And that goes for the Raptors in general. Like obviously your platform, I'm, I'm offering it up, but I, I know it's true myself. And that's at Sportsnet. Like if we can help the bet on yourself movement now that he's got some captivating eyes, hundred percent. And the other thing is like, maybe his greatest feat is like making, the short, undersized, light-skinned point guard trend. Like, he, he, <laughs> that is now in demand, thanks to Fred. Right. So go ahead and do you, Fred. You are literally yeah. a vanguard, for real. Your question about the draft, and it's one of my pet peeves every year, is when they make the NBA comparison to the player in the draft cut deep like you could see in his face that he he knew exactly what you were talking about he was watching it and he was shaking his head at the idea of people saying oh yeah the nba comparison is fred van vliet when fred van vliet was in that spot no one made an nba comparison yes but there's also a um let's just say like if you were in a a crime lineup the comparison often looks like the other people that might be in a crime lineup with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a small forward with dreads. We got to find another small forward with dreads to compare them to, even if their games aren't the same. Yeah. Lefty center. Need another lefty center. So, yeah. Um, but, Forget the but, white wide receiver. The white wide right. receiver is always – the guy could run a 4-2-40, and he, he is Edelman and Welker. He's, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Cooper Cup now. Maybe moving forward, it'll be yeah. a lot of Cooper Cup comps. Yeah. yeah. My Jordy Nelson was the favorite. Jordy Nelson's a speed guy. And they're compared yeah, – yeah. all great hands, possession receiver. Wait a yeah. second. Heady, heady player. He's a heady player. He's a heady player. Great football, football IQ. Oh, my Coachable. God. Team guy, uh, yeah. So you can see as as you as you asked that question, I was watching Freddie's face, and it was like the BS of every draft just came pouring out of Freddie's pores as as you asked that question, and it made me right. laugh. Yeah, uh, the we'll real ask question. It. Yeah. The real question is: is all the people who are making the comps now, where did they have Fred in their mock drafts a couple years ago? That's the real question. One, yeah, another one of my favorites. Go through every draft. I've done it. You're going to find first round. You're going to find busts. You're going to find guys who are – I mean, I think Woj is doing the podcast now. Look at Giannis Atentacompo's draft. Yeah. Like, it's just like, huh, what, who, when, what, two-time MVP. Uh, all right, we'll take the break. When we come back, we'll ask Eddie Olchuk, who had to come out of Chicago and then play in the OHL, what his draft comp was when he was up. 
in the NHL. And we'll ask him about uh, something near and dear to his heart. It is uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Month, and while it looks a little bit different this time around, it's still near and dear to him. We'll talk to one of our favorites here on the show, Eddie Olchuk, next right here on Tim and Sid featuring Donovan Bennett. Subscribe to our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Do not settle. Demand. Demand. Sportsnet 590 The Fan on Demand. This is Tim and Sid featuring Donovan Bennett. Just talked to Freddie Van Vliet. A lot of people real interested in that conversation. Bob writes in and says, love watching and listening to your interviews. You guys are very genuine and so respectful. It's no wonder you get the people that you do on your show. Great job. Appreciate that. Frank writes in and says, it's got to be frustrating as hell to have people crapping on you for years. Then all of a sudden, you're what the NBA is looking for in new players. <laughs> that's, that's basically what Freddie Van Vliet has got. And he said it would be hard for lots of people not to hold the grudge. I would, I would hazard a guess that a lot of people do. And use it as fire. Listen, my ringtone would be Mike Jones. Back then, they didn't want me. Now I'm hot. They all on me. Like, literally, I, I would remind myself of that all of the time. But I'm petty. Uh, Fred is much more gracious. He just made his mess, his message, and made a brand out of it. Good for him. Uh, ever since uh, we watched our friend Eddie Olchuk fight his battle with colon cancer, uh, we made it a tradition of having him on during Hockey Fights Cancer Month, even if it looks a little different. So welcome back to the show, Eddie. How are things, buddy? Hey, Tim Donovan. Nice to be with you guys. And, uh, yeah, everything is uh, it's hard to believe. Uh, me personally, it's been uh, three years since I was diagnosed with uh, stage three colon cancer and, uh, Proud to say, I'm clean and clear for the last uh, the last two years, and uh, planning on uh, continuing this battle. Uh, cancer is always going to be with Eddie Olchek and our family, but uh, hopefully, people uh, Tim uh, that uh, know my story and hear my story uh, can be inspired, or help them to keep away from it, or help them get through the day, or help them. Uh, help somebody else, which is most important in the National Hockey League, as, as you both know, I started this Hockey Fights Cancer initiative since 1998, and the league, uh, all the teams, uh, all the people involved have done an amazing job at raising just shy of $30 million now for the initiative, for, for research, for helping people, for getting people, uh, you know, um, rides and helping their families, and it's just so much that it does, and I think it's the greatest initiative that the National Hockey League has, has put their hockey helmet on and uh, proud to have been their ambassador last year. And it's different now. Obviously, we're all living in a in a global pandemic, but uh, hopefully people will take notice and head to the NHL website and, uh, and not forget uh, that hockey is fighting cancer and it doesn't discriminate, and uh, hopefully – I'll be around. We'll all be around when it's not hockey fights cancer anymore. It's hockey beats cancer, and then that's our ultimate goal uh, in the big picture. So I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, question, and you've been so gracious with your story. You're the face of the campaign. You've written about it. You've come on the show and, and talked about it. And so we've learned so much about what you and your family has gone through. But what being so upfront about it, have you learned about other people's stories that maybe you didn't know when you went through it personally? Wow. 
Um, I'm not sure how much time we have, Donovan, for the segment. Uh, I could probably could probably keep talking. You guys can go and pay some bills, and I would still be talking uh, coming back. But I think, look, the Cliff Notes version of that is is uh, sadly, um, I, I get contacted in a lot of different ways from people that have either been stricken by it or family members that have been uh, taken by or are in the battle and people looking for some encouragement, people looking for advice, looking for uh, just a virtual hug, the world that we're living in now. And and, and that's the one thing I will say, uh, Tim and Donovan, is that the one thing that I've I've learned uh, through my battle, and, and again, air quotations, being in the public eye, of of initially wanting to go under a rock and not burden people with my story and just kind of go and do what I needed to do, but you know, you, you just can't fall off the face of the earth and without people knowing. And I thought that there was a way for me and my family to help one person. And if anybody hears me today, if I can help them in any possible way, then it was well worth you guys having me on your show and and, and me telling my story. But communicating, Donovan, with people that I don't know, um, that somehow reach me via an email or a text or just word of mouth in, in talking on the phone with somebody or visiting them face-to-face and not knowing who they are and to hear their story or to share mutual feelings and, and, and battles that uh, somebody that is only, you know, that, that only could relate to have been through in, in the battle of taking on cancer. It is a very emotional, it is a very draining, but it is a very inspiring uh position to be in is when you can communicate with somebody and talk to them and have them relate to what you've been through and what they're going through. Because when you talk to somebody that knows somebody that's been in the battle, it's not the same that there's somebody that's been in the fight. And I think that if if my goal is to help one person, if I can take the time to visit or make a phone call. And like I said, sadly, I get contacted hundreds of times a month where people would like me to visit or communicate or, or talk to somebody or send an email or a note. Um, it is, it is very draining. And there is that aspect of survivor guilt that when you do communicate with somebody or you find out that somebody has passed or somebody that has lost their battle after valiantly battling, um, and most recently, publicly, obviously, we lost Dale Howardchuck, but having talked to Dale, I never played with Dale. Uh, played against him a lot of times. I missed him in our days in the Peg in Winnipeg. I came shortly after he had left. But, you know, there was a relatability. Um, even though we're part of the Jets alumni, um, you know, we both had battled the disease. And, you know, you, 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 you feel helpless. You feel like, well, why was I able to survive and, and somebody like Dale wasn't? Again, like just two people in, in the hockey world, but we all know it doesn't discriminate and it, and it hampers millions of people, sadly. So I think for me, it's the ability to be able to talk to people that I don't know. You know, they know me, obviously, of, of in air quotations, again, being in the public eye and being involved in the great game of hockey, but 
if I can just help one person and then they can help one person, uh, then it was well worth, uh, you know, me reaching out or somebody reaching out on their behalf to, to try to brighten up their day when they're in a in the battle of their life. I'll, all I'm thinking about, too, Eddie, is not only that with cancer and people can help, NHL.com slash Hockey Fights Cancer. You can even type in HockeyFightsCancer.com. That works, too, uh, to get you to the NHL site. But as you're saying all that, Eddie, I'm thinking, like, how true that is in life, period. Like, as we're all going through COVID right now yeah. Yeah. and just what yeah. just communicating with people and having someone to talk to is so yeah. remarkably important. Oh, it is, Tim. It, yeah. it really is. Like, look, this is, this is foreign territory for all of us. You know, we're, yeah. we're, you know we're, we're all in this thing together, and you're right. And, you know, the one thing that my, my wife and I have really tried to emphasize to people out there is and just in, in our own little battle, and, and to your point, I think, and I think it, it's an extension, it's an olive branch here, Tim, of that is, you know, look, you know, the, the, the caretakers and caregivers out there, they're going through a lot as well. They may not be going through the physical aspect of the chemo or going through the cancer, but they're in it every step of the way. The psychological aspect of it, which we all are in this in this global pandemic we're living through. So it is important. Uh, a lot of people say, um, you know, like they don't know what to say to somebody when they're sick or look at it. It could be anything. It's just not cancer. Yeah. It could be anything. It's just like, look at it. It's, it's a simple, hey, hey man. Hey, young lady, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I'm praying for you. If you need anything, I'm here for you. It's it just anything like that helps people that are going through the most difficult time in their life. It, it makes them feel good. And trust me, it, and I lived it. And I, I lived it. There were people that I expected to hear from when I was sick that I didn't, um, which, you know, look, at that's the way that it is. But, you know, I, it's disappointing. But, just let make sure people understand out there how important it is just for somebody to to give a virtual hug or just a text or just an email or just a phone call and let them know that you're thinking about them and you're praying for them and it goes a long way and and to your point tim right now we're all going through that and we should be making sure that we are checking up on one another because this is this is a battle hopefully we are going to get on the right side of this and and, and hopefully we'll all be better for it, which is kind of crazy to say, and we know how it's affected everybody in this world, but um, it's a great point. You know, just make sure we're looking out for, for people out there in, in all aspects, uh, uh, regardless of, of the situation that we or they may be in. You mentioned the, the COVID-19 pandemic that we're in, and, and the two are related because as our health resources go to COVID-19, then there aren't enough for things important like cancer. But I, I want to transition to its impact on the league, not nearly as important, but something that you can also provide great context about. The Golden Knights and the Blue Jackets recently have had yeah. outbreaks. We saw the bubble worked so, so well in Canada but we're not going to have a bubble theoretically moving forward. How do you see flying across two different countries working as we try to have a season uh, in you know, a, a month or so? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of fair ground of it. And look, I trust the leadership of the commissioner, Mr. Bettman, and Bill Daly, and the Board of Governors, the Return to Play Committee, because they, they were able to do what they did in a bubble scenario. But to your point, I mean, look, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a bubble scenario moving forward but you know you, you never know um i think everything is on the table but at the end of the day you, you know you, you look at what has transpired in in baseball this year you look at what has transpired so far in the nfl i mean you're going to have 
you're going to have cases until we can get this vaccine out and get, you know, four or five months into it and, and everybody feels secure and, and hopefully there's not going to be any COVID list at all in six, seven, eight months from now. So, you know, the NBA's planning on kicking off right here you know, at Christmas time, if I'm not mistaken. So there's, 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 uh, there's been leagues that have tried. I mean, you have college football. I mean, yeah, there's, there's going to be potholes. There's no doubt about it, but, um, it's it's the times that we're living in, and at the end of the day, we, we all need to remember it is a business, and some things stop, some things don't, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where the National Hockey League goes from here. Do I think we're going to start on January 1? I don't. Uh, do I think we're going to play? I do, um, and that will mean that we're in a much better place uh, than we are now once we can drop the puck and, and see hockey, regardless if there's an all-Canadian division or three other divisions in the U.S. and how it all plays out. I think any hockey is better than no hockey, and I think the league and the players are going to do everything that they can to get back. But again, the realization that it is a business, and we're trying to stick handle our way through a global pandemic, and hopefully we can do that, and we can get the greatest fans in the world back to all the different rinks throughout the National Hockey League, and everybody feels safe and secure, and they can be entertained, and uh, we'll look forward to that. And if we are doing that, then uh, that's a good thing. Okay, we're running out of time here, but you brought it up, and i got to get your opinion, because for a variety of reasons, I like talking to you. Um, you're a good guy. Uh, I like talking ponies with you when we get the chance. But you know the markets in Canada pretty well, and you also know the yeah. American markets, being a Chicago guy and such. Uh, what do you think of the all-Canadian division? Like, how do you think that will go over? Uh, well, look, I mean, it's the hand that's dealt, right? Like, if, yeah. if, it's this, if it's safe for everybody, Tim, then, then I'm all for it. You know, I mean, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I just want to see the National Hockey League back and, and, and entertaining because, look, we understand what's going on in the real world. But, so that'll be good. So, yeah, I, I think, I, look, I'm excited if that is indeed what ends up happening. But at the end of the day, is it about entertainment and keeping everybody safe and secure? And if that's what needs to be done, then we'll we'll play the hand that's dealt. But it'll be a, it'll be a lot of fun if it's if it's uh, uh, if it's strictly a Canadian division. And uh, I think all people, uh, all, all hockey fans, will enjoy seeing that because hopefully this is a once in a lifetime for all of us to live through. Uh, I'm still holding you that we're going to go to one of the uh, horse racing shrines when all this is done. All right. My my treat. You got it, Tim. Have a great uh, right. have a great night, Donovan. Great being with you. Say hi to Sid for me, and if I don't talk to you, have a great uh, great great holiday as well. You too, you too, buddy. You as well. There is uh, Eddie Elchuk, who uh, not only does the NHL on NBC, but for those who don't know, works on their horse racing as well, and is a pretty damn good handicapper. And one of the bucket list things I've had. I don't know why. I've, I grew up around the track. Um, did you ever spend time at the track, Donovan? Um, despite my Wendy's background, uh, yes. West Indian background, I didn't yes. spend a lot of time at the track. No, I didn't. I actually worked uh, at Woodbine as a university summer job, but not uh, not oh, yeah. betting on the ponies. Yeah. So you so you heard the group from the Wendy's yelling and screaming, as I did when I was a kid at Woodbine, which is some of the most entertaining stuff that you could find. But whatever. Uh, we'll talk about that another day. Or maybe we'll talk about it after the break. Uh, we got to get a quick break in here. When we come back, uh, we're going to play Wedding Cut or Uncut and whether or not you should come with a tree, boy! Come with a tree! Next, right here on Tim and Sid, featuring Donovan Bennett in Sportsnet Radio and TV. 
send us all your money. Sign up for our free podcast at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher, and we'll send you a free subscription for Sportsnet 590 The Fan On Demand. Absolutely free. Welcome back to Tim and Sid. I'm Donovan Bennett. He is Timothy McAuliffe, who uh, I'm, I'm still laughing at um, the visual that you gave me of, you know, a bunch of elderly <laughs> West Indian men in the corner of, of Woodbine screaming at horses hundreds of yards away. Like, you've just brought me back yeah. to a place in my childhood. So thank you for that. The uh, the Maltese also a uh, long tradition of uh, an equine variety. Uh, the Atards were uh, famous at Woodbine Mohawk. I guess they weren't Mohawk because they're all thoroughbred guys. But the Atards, a very Maltese name, and uh, dominated Woodbine for a while and Greenwood. So uh, we'll throw that out there. That's that's how I I was around it the whole time, and it was just so fun to be around all that excitement when you're a kid, not knowing what was actually going into it. <laughs> the ignorance was kind of bliss in all of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we've been teasing it the entire time. I don't think we can stay away from it any longer. I know that Connor McDavid's house was the talk of hockey Twitter the entire day but i don't know if that was the hockey story of the day for that i think we have to go to the canucks adam Goddett. and i know that his wedding took place in june but his lovely wife michaela decided she would post a part of the wedding on tiktok in the last week and let's just say it's gone viral uh, the two got married quickly and i'm guessing it had to do with all of the constraints due to COVID-19, and they planned their wedding on very short notice. In fact, it was 10 days. So they were married in Goshen, New York, on June 21st. And as a part of the wedding, um, Michaela sat down, and it was decided, and we can roll the video anytime, that Adam Gaudet was going to give her a bit of a dance. And Gaudet's dance came shirtless shoeless and i don't know if you call this a lap dance dj but michaela's uh, sitting down and as godet goes to make the turn he tries to lift the leg oh, over oh. the head and what you get is a roundhouse to his lovely bride's head <laughs> the the caption says so i'm okay questions. all right ask him go ahead we can try I mean, like, for one, why is he barefoot? Like, what? Like, I the shirtless thing. I mean, it was not for me, but I've seen it at weddings. But he's got no shoes, no socks, rolled up khakis. It looks like, but the belt is still done up. And then, like, speaking of belt, he's clearly not a black belt. Karate is not his thing because he tries to go with like a double roundhouse, <laughs> and he actually connects. I'm just saying. You, you're doing too much. Like we've now seen the thing where they, it's always genuine pony. It, it's a little role reversal. The guy's gonna get a little funny, a little hey hey, a little frisky with it, and, and bump and grind, if you will. Although there was a lot of bump, not a lot of grind. Um, but then, yeah, it, it's just not a good omen for how the the wedding, the marriage, the nuptials are starting. 
when when you like have a major penalty against your wife by accident. Like, yeah, it's not a good yeah. look. Yeah, that's a fi- that's a five minute misconduct. Uh, for the record, Michaela <laughs> on the TikTok said, "I seem fine, but my head was throbbing. I went into the bathroom and cried for a little, and then said oh, he felt no. insanely bad." It was fine because we ended up partying until 8 a.m. with our best friend. So it was a good night, all said and done. That's good. And I think the th- there seems to be some sort of theme of the no. Like I saw a picture of just the wedding, and I think there was some sort of no-shoe theme. Maybe they were supposed to get married okay. on a beach, and they couldn't go to the beach. Oh, Maybe so something along those lines. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's I, was, I was trying I was, to figure just, out what it might be. Yeah, I mean, sure. Some advice, men out there, males, uh, going into weddings, which are a bit truncated now because of COVID, as you mentioned, it's not about you. Like, that doesn't mean you can abstain from, like, the planning and and that. You got to be part of that. You got to be into it. But, like, if you're ever trying to make part of the wedding about you, like, doing this elaborate dance where you're going to try and show how flexible you are or aren't, like, just think twice. You run everything through a filter. It's about your bride, potentially, if, or, right. or partner. It, it's about the parents. Oh, it's her day. But it's not about you. It's not about you. Yeah, it's her yes. day. And, you and make it day. good. It's the parents' You are day in. Yeah. And the bride's day. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I am so with you on that. All right, so the audio for those listening on radio is wonderful, too. So you've got a picture in your mind. Uh, you're going to hear... People laughing because he's shirtless. You're going to hear people gasping uh, because he's shirtless. And he's trying to dance to, to Genuine's Pony, which is a classic. And I don't know if you disrespect it like this. But then you'll just hear the gasp. So I want people just to take in the audio. Because to me, the I know it's it's very visual, but the audio is so good. Just take it all in. The best part is the person on the camera is laughing, and it is on, you know, the, the script on the screen, it describes it, it's her, it's her mom who's laughing. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, cut or uncut? No shoes, no shirt at okay. your own wedding. Oh, come on, it's cut. Come on now. Like we, listen, you're, you're, you're paying, I mean, two bills for a plate, and we're really going to be out here with no shoes, no socks on? Come on, like... Uh, no, it's, it's a serious occasion. Uh, however, I will say, uh, my other learning from that is uh, Genuine Pony has not aged. Like, that song is somewhat undefeated. <laughs> like, where if you are in a club, a dancery, a wedding, if you're that vroom, 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 yeah. everyone's running to the dance floor. Are they not? Undefeated. Uh, undefeated, indeed. Uh, you back tomorrow? I am. Where is Genuine right now? Like, what is he up to? That's a wonderful question. I'm sure you can Google that and find out. Okay. Let us know, Tim and Citizens. Yeah, I'm back tomorrow. Like, if you listen to the lyrics of that song, anyways, we're not going to get into that. We'll, t- <laughs> we'll say goodbye. We'll, my jeans. we'll be listen back to tomorrow. We'll to discuss it all right here on Tim and Sid. I wash your hands, wash your hands, and wash your hands. Washing your hands, washing your hands, washing your hands.